0: Salams, welcome to In the Days of Noor, where we speak about Islamic related topics. And today I wanted to talk about marriage and why people aren't getting married anymore, and particularly pointing to sex before marriage as possibly one of the causes. And I don't know if you've ever heard of a movement called MGTOW. <laughs> which stands for men going their own way. It's interesting because it almost seems like a male a male, equi- a male equivalent of the feminist movement. And the diff- difficult thing about feminism, which is one of the many reasons I don't call myself a feminist, is it almost seems like every time there is a criticism of them, they basically say, well, no, that's not feminism. So, there are just so many strands of feminism that um, it's difficult to even make a statement like that, that it's the male equivalent of feminism. But to me, what is more important when I think of feminism than the very interesting dynamic ideologies is rather what is the actual result of feminism, especially what we see in the media, in sound bites, in policy, and those sort of things. Because as important and as interesting as it is to know about the different philosophical strains of feminism and that they aren't all in agreement of something like, for example, um, transgenderism, if you would call it that, transgenderism, Um, there's a strand of feminism called radical feminists, and if you read their work, they're vehemently against transgenderism and this new transgender movement. But you wouldn't know that just through popular media and an overall acceptance by feminists of the transgender movement. So I say that simply to say that feminism is not one thing, that's for sure, and I'm very clear about that. And there are some strands of feminism that I certainly agree with, and there's some parts of even popular feminism that I agree with. But when I'm talking about feminism in this podcast, in this scenario, when I'm usually criticizing it, what I'm rather talking about is sort of pop feminism, whatever comes to your mind easily, that when you think about feminism, that's what I'm speaking about. So I see it as a this MGTOW movement, a equivalent of this sort of pop feminism that we've seen play out in the media and policy and all of this, which is basically this criticism of the opposite gender and of the way they're treated in society. And then the result basically being, well, we don't need them anyway. I think a lot of women have actually come back from that, interestingly enough. And I think a lot of women of my generation do not call themselves feminists, but actually do still have a lot of the ideologies and tendencies of that movement uh, from the 70s. Obviously, more so second wave feminism, not first wave, that more to do with uh, voting and that sort of thing. In the 90s, I remember growing up, and if you remember the Ricky Lake show, um, if there was ever sort of a example of pop feminism, you surely saw a lot of it on there. And it was just a lot of, you know, I don't need a man, you know, i got to be independent. And that I think the, sh- the strain of I don't need a man sort of thing has lightened a lot for my generation. I think that we're probably not saying we need a man, but I think that a lot of us do still idolize the idea of marriage to some degree. And a lot of us still don't. But I think just this sort of harsh rhetoric that I remember from my childhood in the 90s of, you know, that I don't need a man and being independent and all of that, I got my own money sort of thing. I think it's maybe just not as brazen as it was back then, and maybe that's possibly because it's just seeped so deep into the culture, does it need to be brazen anymore? I don't know. So the MGTOW thing of basically men kind of saying the same thing. And a lot of the men, when you just type in MGTOW and you'll get a lot of results or they're on YouTube or just Google it, then a lot of the reasoning they they speak about is the inequality they feel that that women are now being treated better than men in many instances, and a lot of them will especially point to marriage and divorce and how men are treated after divorce, whether it's in terms of alimony or child support or um, child custody. That in those situations, men are often the losers. And this is... And so henceforth, men should, they are prominent men should go their own way. Because in the case of divorce, which unfortunately, the lowest figure that I know of is about 30%. 30% of marriages ending in divorce. The highest figure I've ever heard is about 50%. So somewhere between 30 and 50%, 3 out of 10 to 5 out of 10 people, are getting divorced after getting married in the West. That is a very high number. So it's not even sort of a theoretical thing to go into marriage or to think about marriage with the possibility of divorce. You really have to think about it in a real way. And none of us like to think of ourselves as just a statistic. We all like to think we're individuals and and we'll beat whatever negative statistic is out there. But when we have time before we're even in that place or we have someone where we want to get married or anything like that, and we have time to think about our philosophy and what we want to do, and if we want to enter that union, then we do have time to think about the pluses and minuses. And this idea that you have a 30 to 50% chance, of course, these are statistics, you know, so we we look at them and we take them into consideration, but we are all different, but it is valuable to take these statistics into consideration then it, you may look at that and say, okay, what is the point in going into this kind of union where I have a 30 to 50% chance of failing? And then if you're a man, not only of failing at this marriage union, but also of losing custody of my children, having to pay uh, large amounts of child support that some men may feel whatever the amount is unjust, whatever, however... Um, they may see it, and then possibly having to pay alimony, why don't I just avoid this union so this all sounds this all sounds very logical, but of course, what is the key missing element? The key missing element is that a man can a man can give himself permission to do this, even think about this. why? because in our society, just the general society. Men and women are encouraged to have sex based on their emotional feelings, based on their physical feelings, and to do so without stigma outside of marriage. So a man can have a girlfriend, or not even in an actual relationship, he can have um, sexual intercourse with women and enjoy that physical part of of his uh, desires he can have female friends and really never have the need to enter the union of marriage in order to benefit from either female companionship or from or having sexual intercourse. So that is really the missing link. So one thing that I was listening to a conservative, uh, sort of conservative, liberal, back and forth sort of thing, actually was it a conservative video and the liberals were commenting on it, And so one of the conservative women were saying that if women want to get married, they need to basically hold off off on sexual intimacy until marriage, and that that will help them in securing a marriage partner. And the liberals, of course, um, were on the other end of that spectrum saying, you know, how ridiculous is that, so what does that mean you're only valued for your that a woman only values herself for her sexuality and sort of divorcing sex from relationships from marriage. And so I see all of their points, of course, being a practicing Muslim, I don't believe in sex before marriage. But I see, I understand the the liberal point, but I disagree with their conclusion that what the conservative woman was saying actually leads to that point. So the idea that a woman shouldn't have sex before marriage in order to secure marriage does not necessarily mean, as these uh, liberals are saying, that she therefore equates her value with sex. I think what it rather means, before we get to an obviously a moral point of view, I think what it rather means is the woman saying that the sexual intimacy part of the relationship is not going to happen outside of marriage. It's not saying that I'm only worth the. Uh, I'm only worth uh, sexual intercourse. So if you want to have that with me, then you have to first marry me because that that's my highest value. So I'm gonna just hold off because if I hold off, then the man will marry me because it, this the thing is just so valuable. I think what it is rather saying is that there are some parts of a relationship that do not belong outside of marriage. And so sex is one of them. I think, I'm sure a conservative would agree, and obviously as a practicing Muslim, I also agree with this, that living together is not a part of the relationship that that should happen before marriage. That even there's a level of bonding and closeness that I think a lot of us would limit ourselves in before marriage, and this is why I always find it so funny, but i I almost have to remind myself of this point, which is that people can be together for ten years, be living together. they could have gone from dating to being exclusive to living together to being engaged and, and still living together, and then get married and the marriage falls apart two to three years uh, later, a short time after. And why is that? Partly because even though those people were together, even though they lived together, there was still a part of themselves they were holding off because there was no union of marriage. A perfect example of this is a, a friend my sister had. I remember her telling us this story that her and the man she was in a relationship with her, whatever you want to call it, partner, boyfriend, whatever, they were living together, they had children together. So on the surface, you think, okay, what is the difference between this and a marriage? Why Either why don't they just get married, or, or what is it that they, like, what is stopping them from getting married when they are doing everything that a marriage, married couple would do? But the reality was that There were parts of themselves, and we only get the woman's perspective in this story, but there were parts of herself that she was holding out for because she was not a wife, because she was not married to this man. So it it would maybe equal in little things, I'm trying to remember some of the exact examples, but there were things that have to do with cooking, for example. I'm not going to (laughs) cook, you know, I'm not your wife, I'm not cooking for you every day. Or whether it's cleaning, or whether it's, Whatever these things were, and I I just don't remember the exact examples, like she felt, because I'm not married to this person, because I'm not in the role of being a wife, I am not going to do these things for him. And so uh, there are parts of ourselves that we give very freely within a marriage union that we don't give in relationships outside of a marriage union. And one of those things being sex. It doesn't mean that you only value yourself for sex. It doesn't mean that you think that sex is more important than the emotional relationship the person would have with you or the spiritual or intellectual relationship, but simply that it is a part of yourself that you're not willing to give to that person because there is no commitment of union of marriage. And there, and again, there like I like I uh, tried to point out with the example with the woman who wasn't married to her boyfriend, uh, but they were living in and had children and everything. There are other things too, and it. I think that sex is the most obvious cutoff point, but it's not the only cutoff point. Whether it's you're not interested in cooking for the. I'm speaking mostly of the woman's perspective, but I'll I'll try and give some examples for the men too. let say, for example, for a woman. You're not interested in cooking for the man because you guys aren't married. As I already mentioned, living with the man because you're not married. Um that you have a cutoff time for when you're gonna speak to the to this man because you're not married. And obviously, I'm talking about someone you're in some sort of relationship with, and maybe there is a and there is some kind of marriage interest, but there is no marriage yet. So before that, actually getting married and being in that union. There are all kinds of ways that we cut ourselves off from being in a level of of closeness with that person that isn't just sex, but sex is just such an obvious cutoff point and that's why it's usually spoken about. And I think that because it's such an obvious cutoff point, because it's not something you just mistakenly fall into, like you can mistakenly become uh, very emotionally close to someone you can mistakenly let down your guard in a lot of things but you kind of don't just mistakenly end up sleeping with a person you know if you have very clear physical boundaries and therefore if the person wants to be in this higher level of closeness this this more engaged relationship with you that includes most clearly a, a sexual relationship, the addition of a sexual relationship, then you put this um, obstacle or burden or, I don't know what you want to call it, of marriage that you that you have a cutoff point saying, okay, this is where I'm willing to go in a relationship and I'm stopping here until and unless there is a marriage. For Just to give an example for a man, a man, it may be for him... Um, I'm not paying for your groceries if we're not married. I'm not um I don't know. I'm not going to always be there for your every emotional need, like on call because we're not married there's a There's a level of priority that we give to people that we're married, to, or at least that we should. You know, I'm not married yet. I'm sure that people are married. Don't always do this. But in my mind, and I think of a lot of people in their ideal of marriage, when you're married to someone, that person becomes a priority for you. And so for a man, that may be his, his cutoff point, that he's not going to make you his priority until you are married. So we all have our cutoff points, and, and sex is just, I think, one of the most obvious ones and the easiest to speak about, and one of the ones that you can't kind of just fall into and um, really have that relationship outside of marriage unless both parties are willing to do that. And what women don't realize, whether this sounds sexist or not, I think that women have a lot of moral power in society and that if women say and act upon it that they're not interested in sex before marriage, it would change society overnight. People would start getting married because they wouldn't really, this is such an instinctive desire um, that that men would be willing to sacrifice, whether it's their, whatever they think they're losing, whether it's their personal freedom, whether it's their fear, what's going to happen after divorce, whatever it is, they would be willing to risk that in order to have that level of closeness in a relationship. And I would say what I didn't talk about yet, what is the more obvious point, is that if you have faith, if you are a, a Muslim or Christian or Jew, all three monotheistic faiths say the same thing, that sex is within a marriage, it's within the sanctity of marriage. So once you take it out, what you're really doing is not practicing part of your faith, not listening to um, what God has asked us to do in this situation, a union that he gave us. He could have had children be born in any way. He could have, you know, in any way um, imaginable. The first creation, Adam, was not created from a man and a woman. The second creation, Eve, was not created from a man and a woman having intercourse so God could have just kept creating a new person every time he wanted to but he chose to have this union but he also gave it this sanctity that it should only happen within marriage and there's so many safeguards for men and women if you want to talk about STDs if you want to talk about not having children out of wedlock if you want to talk about um emotional security, there are so many benefits to men and women when it comes to marriage. And it should be made very clear as well, the the focus is always on women when it comes to sex before marriage and women withholding sex before marriage and all of that. But in Islam, that is not the case at all. Both men and women are treated exactly the same way, that they should withhold Withhold such a strange word that they should not um engage in sexual intercourse before marriage. There's no difference of opinion, there's no difference of law between men and women. But I I strongly believe that women have such a uh, influence when it comes to morality. And then if women let it go, then it's gonna be gone. But if women take it back, if women decide that this is important, then it will be important and people will take it seriously and people will begin to practice it again. But um yeah, so I guess those are my two major points that this couldn't really happen um without this kind of freedom that people believe they have to have sex before marriage and particularly women not wanting to take that moral stance, and that there are a number of limitations we all place on ourselves before marriage, and that sex is only the most obvious one. So, you know, I think the debate is interesting. I think it's unfortunate when people are so stuck in their opinions and their rhetoric that they just sort of repeat things again and again, and they don't really... It's like they're not really listening because when she said the thing about withholding sex before marriage and then they sort of responded, is that what you think you're worth or it's sad that that's what she thinks she's worth? Without actually anyone on that panel, I was listening to the Young Turks, if, if you all know about on YouTube, without anyone on the panel actually questioning their interpretation of what she said. And again, I think it's so important to bring up that in Islam, it has nothing to do with a man does this and a woman does that. No, men and women both are supposed to wait until marriage before engaging in the sexual act. So it's not saying to women, you um, remain pure and you be like uh, Maryam or Mary, the mother of Jesus. You be this pure virgin and men, you know, will just turn a blind eye and you can do whatever you want. No, we're saying to both the same thing. Islam says to both the same thing. And the problem with feminism, and which is one of the reasons I I really dislike when Muslim women just take on the feminist rhetoric, because the problem with feminism and why it doesn't apply to us as Muslim women and doesn't apply in an Islamic context, is that feminism starts off somewhere. It starts off with a basis that says, in society, men and women are treated differently, they're not treated equally. So let's that's the first thing. And the second thing they do is they say, let's equal the playing the playing field or the playing field, however they say that, and make women equal to men. So there's two things that happen. One, many women are equal in society. Two, let's make women equal to men. So these are these are two playing fields that we do not have in Islam. Many women are not unequal in Islam. Now Yes, there are within the Muslim community and the Muslim society dissimilar treatment uh, sometimes between men and women, but our problem is not our core. Our core, if you go back to the faith, if you go back to the Prophet, if you go back to his times, then we can find our moral guidance from there. We don't have to reinvent something. The second issue is that they then say, okay, women be equal to men. So in this case in particular, men are are perfectly allowed to sleep around with whoever they want. So women, you join them and be equal to them, which I always found interesting because you could also say, well, men, you join women and be equal to them and also respect your modesty and your virginity. And so again, Islam doesn't have that. Men are not somehow, the, the position of men are not somehow better than women so that women should try and chase their position. No, we both have equal positions. Yes, they vary sometimes. In very small cases, they vary sometimes. Of course, that's true. But our our position begins with having a uh, having a level of equality. So there are not two. There are not two points of views in regards to sexual intercourse when it comes to men, and how we view it morally, and sexual intercourse when it comes to women, and how we view it morally. It is the same. It is the same way. Now, in Muslim societies, are women treated worse when they commit zina, which is the Arabic word for sex before marriage, or adultery? I'm sure there are many cases where that's the case, but that is not Islam. Maybe that's even the influence of the West. I don't know, but that's not Islam. Islam does not say women be virtuous and and be virgins, and men we're just turning a blind eye. Doesn't matter what you do. It is the same. So I I just think this is such an important point that we have to actually go back and look at our own faith instead of just looking at the culture and then trying to jump on the bandwagon of feminism to address the issues in, in the Islamic community instead of actually looking back at the Prophet and his life and his wives and companions and the many women of Islam who give us so many different examples of how how women can be and then looking throughout society at the way men and women should be treated, because there are always going to be bad instances, but the ideal in the prophetic time in the sunnah and the time thereafter, and go back to that and then ask ourselves, how can we get back to that place? Because feminism does not have the answer. The answer is not now let women take on the worst examples of men. The answer is actually the opposite. If we find a scenario in which men are of bad moral character and women are of good, virtuous character and men are being given a pass for bad character and women are being scrutinized for bad character, we actually need to make the men more like the women. Because the women are the winners in that scenario. if They have a better moral character. And so uh, I just found this discussion interesting. And obviously we're so far into the feminist movement, the sexual re- revolution and there's so much damage that has been done, there's so much influence that they have, but we should never think it's too late to question them and to change the way we think about certain things that seem to be a given, and to try and understand our society. So that's um, why I found this discussion important, and I'm sure I'll do other topics that relate to feminism and its influence in society. So that's it. That's probably the longest podcast I've done so far. Um, if you like it, you know, let me know. You can contact me, info at com. And thank you for listening. Take care.